Welcome to week five of Lent Life Job. This week we were talking about Elihu and preparing the way. And we are joined by Saban Rock. Why are you so intimidating? It's my size. <laughs> and my rugged good looks, obviously. 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 So we are talking about Elihu. There you go. And preparing the way. And before you jump in, would you give a recap? So today we get to a character in the story of Job that a lot of people never heard about because not a lot of people do sermons on this guy, but his name is Elihu. And Elihu shows up as someone who is essentially preparing the way for God to show up. Up to this point, you have had Job's wife and his three friends and different words that they're saying. And what you want to see with Job and his three friends is that the three friends don't represent people who don't know God or don't have faith. They represent Christians for us today, essentially, who don't have the best theology, don't see God who he is. And so Elihu, he shows up and he calls everybody to repentance, everybody to return to see who God really is. And what is God? God is holy and God is graceful. And many times as believers, we want to fall on one side or the other of that. We either see God as being really holy or we see God as being all graceful, and yet it's both. And many times we tend to have a problem with the other side. Like if we see God as full of grace, we have a problem with the holy people. If people just see God as holy, they have a problem with the grace people. And the repentance is the call to understand who God is in His person. That we come to understand God's holiness and His grace as we want to see Him for who He is as He rescues and saves us as a people. Sam, I'd like to kick it over to you. And I didn't have you introduce yourself earlier because I was hoping to do it kind of at this point. Would you mind introducing yourself and... I know you could speak on this for a little while, but yeah. can you give kind of your, your story of how you've come, came to repentance? Oh, yeah. Um, my name is Sabin Brock. I've been going to Element for a long time, like almost <laughs> since the start, uh-huh. right? Got a pretty, pretty checkered past, history. Uh, I've been, been through the gamut. Uh, my salvation was uh, pretty intense. I was once a pretty bad guy. Uh, the interesting thing about it is that a lot of people say, well, how bad were you? And I say, well, I had, you know, I was looking at life in prison at one point. And they go, oh. And then that changes their perspective on me. But, um, and so when we go back to the other question of why are you so intimidating? Well, that might be part of it. <laughs> that, might be, that, might be, that, that might be part of it, right? But um, I was sitting in a jail cell and I uh, just gotten arrested. I had five different agencies that were on the ticket. So I had uh, FBI, ATF, and then three different counties that were all on the ticket, um, agencies that were on there. And I had something like 1,182 charges. And I probably did about 80% of them because I was, they were just throwing stuff at me, but I probably did the majority of them. And I was sitting in a cell and I'm in isolation and just God spoke to me. And I had this overwhelming anger and upsetness about the things that had happened to me in my life that caused me to be that person in the first place. Um, you know, sin breeds sin type thing. Mm-hmm. And when God spoke to me, there was like this melt of just all of it just gone. What and precipitated that? Was, was the was the chaplain there speaking to you? Was Oh, no, no. I was actually, I, I don't know who it was, mm-hmm. but um, it was kind of weird because I'd been locked up before. And so the door just kind of flew open. And there was no CEO, there was no nothing. And some guy just came in and sat down and talked to me and pretty much told me to sit down and shut up. Hmm. You know, and I was like, what? Like, no, one, no one's ever talked to me like that. Did he say, my name is Elihu? No, 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 no. <laughs> but he just told me to, like, sit down and shut up. And he's like, you're going to listen to everything I have to say. And he told me things about, like, 
from when I was molested as a kid to uh, my father issues. Like he talked to me. And so when I say that, that God talked to me, that's what happened. And I was like, what? And then the, he walked out. And then that doesn't happen. The door just doesn't swing open. It's not the movies. You know what I mean? The door, guard, let me out. The, but there was no guard. So the door just opened and he just walked out and then it shut. And I was tripping. That never had anybody talk to me like that before. Number two, I'd never been confronted by myself. Because everyone, you said it earlier, I'm pretty intimidating. So because I'm so intimidating, people are just like, yeah, just even if he's wrong, just don't say nothing. You know, because I have that sense about me. And uh, from there, it kind of went to me making a phone call to my mom on a phone that wasn't supposed to go through because I had no money on the books to make a phone call. And she picked up and she goes, son, mijo, when are you going to give your life to Christ? And I was like, what's going on? You know, it was just, and I was just broken. It was, I was broken because of how wretched I was. I was broken because of the things that I had done. I had broken because I saw that there was a holy God who actually cared for me. Mm-hmm. And that was probably one of the most gnarliest things. And something just flipped. And not only was I confronted with who God was and who I was, I prayed earnestly for the first time. And uh, I said, God, if you want me, you got me. However you got me. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of trying to do things my way. I'm tired of the hurt. I'm tired of the pain. Just take it away. And in an instant, just gone. And there was like this overwhelming sense of joy and peace that I've never experienced. To this day, it's still, um, it's still, it still wretches me. It still breaks me because I, I, I can't fathom the concept of how deep grace is, you know, and I haven't since that day. I can fathom the concept of how wretched I am, you know, but not how deep grace is. You said something to me this week that kind of stood out about, you know, coming to a place where realizing you don't have to be the one who has all the answers at this point. Mm-hmm. You kind of just have to sit and... So, you know, kind of speak about that, what kind of brought you to that point right now of... I think the idea of being silent in the Lord was really spoken to me. Um, Psalm 37, uh, first seven verses really spoke to me. Psalm 62. I love David's writing in the Psalms because he, he, I literally really connect with him because a lot of his stuff is like this lament or this upset with God into like, God, you are holy. Like, I'm, I'm going through this and it feels like you're not even close. Like, where you said you would be, where's your promises? Where are you at? And like, how dare you? How dare I? Mm-hmm. The person that gives me the breath, you know? And then it's like, oh, then you recognize that you did that. And then it's like, oh, I need to be still and kind of shut up. Lord, you are holy. You are righteous. I'm only righteous because of what you've done. All that stuff. And you start to, to break it down. But for me, the, the silence is the hardest part. And because it's not just shutting my mouth, it's not moving. It's being still and trusting for him to wait. Waiting on, or trusting on, waiting on him and trusting that he's going to be who he is. You mentioned your mom earlier. Yeah. And who we all love, by the I way. I love Yolanda. Yeah. Um, was she like an Elihu to you in your life, you know, through, even prior to the time you were in jail? Um, somewhat. Somewhat. I mean, not as uh, bold, but my mom's got these nuggets, you know, and she knows. She is actually an example of what it means to be still and wait mm-hmm. for me. Um, 28 years that woman prayed for me when everyone told her to dump me and move on and your son is reckless and horrible and just a leech and mm. you know, all these things. And she's like, no, I, I, know, that God, I know that God wants him. And uh, 28 years she prayed for me. And she hasn't stopped just because I got saved. 
you know, she's like, well, now that we know that he knows, uh, let's see what God does. Aaron, how about you? Do you have a, a, a specific kind of time where you can talk about uh, seeing the wondrous work of God, whether it's through calamity mm. or even, you know, you talked about one that part of the story that I love was the three friends ended up repenting. Mm-hmm. And I, I've overlooked that probably every time I've walked through Job and it's like, oh, that's beautiful. So do you have a, anything you could share about any of that? in your story um, yeah. thank you for sharing yeah. uh, so I, I think it's sometimes hard to point to the wondrous work of God in what we're doing because we're in, in our own lives because we're so myopic about it at times mm-hmm. and it's easier to see how he does things in other people's lives you know like you know when my, my brother comes to believe I mean that's that's a wondrous work I never thought it would happen and it did <laughs> and I get to baptize my brother I'm wearing sunglasses I'm like <laughs> you know the, the whole time because it, it's it's amazing uh, I, I mean, if you're, if you're talking just personally, I remember for me times in my life where God shows up and he, and it's a wondrous work because he breaks me in a way that teaches me to see the greater aspects of what he calls me to in my own life, yeah. where I will live like, like a jerk or not care about these or be solely focused on myself. And usually when you, when you work with people, for some reason, it's so easier at times to treat strangers better than I would treat like my friends or my wife. Mm. And and I get home and all the irritation I get throughout the day just comes out there. And one of the things God does is he starts to break me and teach me to change and to live differently. And that's a wondrous work when, I mean, when you walk into a room and your wife is in tears because of something you've said or done. That can be a wondrous work of God if you allow it to just break you completely and be like, what have I done? What have I said? That is not going to happen again. Then it happens again. But you know, you, you, you allow God to take those really hard moments and rather than throwing it all outward at other people, you say, okay, God, what do you want me to learn in this? How do you want me to change? How do you, and that's, all those wonderful pieces of grace that we get that grow us are are astounding to me. But I think many times we we have to be in a humble enough state to listen and learn to what God is doing, and that's what that's what Elihu does. You know, he he goes after everybody to humble them. You're a bunch of idiots. You said things about God that is not true. God is holy, and because he spends about half his time just going after them to be like, this is where you guys are dummies, and he spends the other half saying, this is who God is. This is who you got to see who he is. And then it's like, and he's done, bows out, and then God shows up, and it's like, oh, okay. I like like how you said humbly, Mm -hmm. because that's that's something that's wrong with our culture today that that, that's missed in that scripture, right? Mm Uh, one of the things is like we see someone as like more holy than me and I need to get to that level mm. when I don't think that that's what he was doing at all I think he was doing like hey let me remind you of the greatness and the goodness of God right right, and and that that's a huge thing is the humility of it yeah I don't think we realize that our humbleness leads to a holiness right we think that that holiness is I've got it together I'm going to help you right. I've got it figured out when that's not humble right. that's that's not holy either right. you know humbleness leads to a holiness it leads to our lives being more set apart for God how do we be people who are more like Elihu rather than the three friends I think you know? because I think all you're talking it goes back to humbleness yeah because uh, that's the only way you get there I and to also realize that 
there's a self-examination that humbleness brings to us, not a self-focus of our own self-righteousness, but mm-hmm. a self-examination I think God asks of us right. to, are you living like one of the three friends? Do you have this improper theology? And I think that a lot of times when we think about humility or humbleness or those kinds of things, we don't put it into an actual verb sense. Mm-hmm. And so we have to actually put that into steps. I can't, I can't think myself thin. I have to either put myself... or. In more in shape or conditioned or whatever you want to say, metabolically conditioned, I have to actually put some work to it. You know, I can't think that I'm righteous. I have to actually practice out God's righteousness in my life. Yeah, the humbleness and, is, this thing happened to me, blessed be the name of the Lord. The humbleness is, shall we receive good from God and not boils? Right. Because that, that's the humbleness of where Job started versus the end of, I'm going to ask God questions and he's got to answer me. And so you see him because of his friends and all that took place, leave that place of humbleness he was at in the beginning yeah. to a place of focusing then on himself. I think um, being, a, being a chaplain and going back into the jails and like, doing some of the ministry that I've done in life, I think the biggest issue that I've seen is the, is the taking the conceptual and applying it. And so we could speak about what humility and humbleness looks like from a completely theological and a, even a doctrinal point of view of what it looks like, but how do we actually put the boots to the ground with Teach me what you want me to learn. Right, 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 right. And that's literally it. It's amazing that brokenness is how Jesus uses, how he uses brokenness. Mm -hmm. It's it's insane. Well, I think that brokenness just comes back to the understanding that Jesus himself was despised and rejected. Right. And so as our prayer for you, that you uh, come to a better place of understanding that that calamity is a wondrous work of God. And through that, I think he brings a humbleness both in understanding, but also in in action and deed. Mm. Um, And so ask God this week to show you uh, what it would look like to be more humble, to be uh, more of a Elihu than a friend, um, whether it's speaking gospel truth in your life or to others, um, but leading people to repentance in who Jesus is, not just do better, be better, or get past this situation, but when will you put your faith in Jesus, in Christ, your Messiah? Your and Messiah. then begin to walk that out. And right. begin to walk that out. Yeah. And begin to walk that out. Mm-hmm. And then next week, God shows up, and uh, he begins to speak, and, and it's oh amazing. boy, yeah. it is amazing. I think the idea that we're getting at is that it's not about being better, it's about being mean. Yeah. It's it's where so people who are really into sci-fi do that too. Yeah. They they think that whatever sci-fi show they watch is like how outer space actually works. Oh, which which is just stupid. It's like does does everybody have like deck plating like Starship Enterprise, a, a ship going from zero to warp speed? Everybody be dead. It's flattened against the back wall. <laughs> right. <laughs>